0: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These podcasts are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.
1: The same is true of all the other stuff in that, for example, interactives or symposium, when we have ability, even though some of this may be pre-recorded, the reality is, is that the presenters will be there to be able to answer questions live towards the end of the discussion. So there's not going to be the loss of this interactive, you know, interpersonal experience of a meeting itself
0: that will occur. ASRM's annual meeting is going through some changes for 2020. We give an update about it on the show today. Welcome to ASRM
1: Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine.
0: I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Today on the show, I talk with Dr. Steven Spandorfer, Chair of the 2020 ASRM Virtual Congress. As we started chatting, I asked him to clear up the confusion people may have about the when and where of the Congress.
1: The the nice thing is, is that the when is still the same, obviously uh 2020 represents a very topsy-turvy year you know when we first started planning the meeting who would have ever thought that we'd be where we are today you know even in february personally i remember sort of looking back and saying oh this is never going to really impact us too much you know we'll still be fine yet here we are all wearing masks and, and living life differently so the meeting itself the the time has not changed but the where has certainly changed dramatically. It's gone from being obviously in Portland to wherever you are. In fact, it's actually fairly exciting in that sense of it because basically this is a meeting where you can literally attend every single session, and you have several months to do
0: such. So uh, the the where is wherever you are located. So the meeting's going virtual. The meeting's completely going completely online. Is it 24 hours a day access? What are some of the 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 bells and whistles here.
1: Yeah. So the meeting is going to take place. It's actually going to even start a little earlier because traditionally the postgraduate courses would start on the Saturday and then the meeting itself would start on Monday. Instead, what's going to happen is actually the meeting itself starts on Saturday, and the meeting will run Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So the meeting is actually a little bit longer. And then what's going to happen is that the postgraduate courses will start on Thursday and what is very exciting about all of this is that while the meeting has specific times for every session, once that session occurs, then that material is accessible 24-7 if you want it, um, You know, basically all the way through the end of December. So while there's a start date to the meeting, the reality is it goes on for several months. And it does give us a lot of leeway to sort of pick and choose what we want to hear and for the first time ever if you wanted to hear two sessions occurring at the exact same time you will actually be able to do that without running back and forth or feeling like you got crowded out of a room or had to stand in the back of an audience in one and ran to the other and missed the other because you couldn't
0: find it so definitely the format and the timing has changed in that sense of it thank you dr spandorfer so how will the days work now for this meeting how is it scheduled
1: so the days, you know, first of all, like I said, it's going to be longer as far as the number of days. But the reality is the way the meeting is set up is very much how we're used to doing it, in that there's going to be the plenary sessions in the morning, and then those are going to be followed by, for example, roundtables, although not exactly the same time, but the same sort of concept. there will still be the interactive sessions. They'll still be the in, in symposium, which are both occurring in the uh, afternoons and then ending the day with the poster sessions. Now, instead of just only two days of poster sessions, for example, it's gonna occur all uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the poster sessions, like for example, they're gonna be like an hour and a half long. The poster presenters will all be there even though their posters and the material will be up for us to go through 24 seven. During that hour and a half time, you can actually shoot them a quick question if you have a question. They'll be somewhat interactive with the presenters at that time of the meeting. The same is true of all the other stuff in that, for example, interactives or symposium, when we have inter uh, ability, even though some of this may be pre-recorded, the reality is, is that the presenters will be there to be able to answer questions uh, live towards the end of the discussion. So there's not going to be the loss of this interactive interpersonal experience of a meeting itself that will occur. But it will be spread out over the five days, you know, starting in Saturday, ending on Wednesday. And like I said, it will allow us to pick and choose what we want to go to and do this at our own pace. And even if you miss something that occurred on Saturday and yet you want to see it, you can see it on the following Saturday just by clicking and tuning in
0: once it's already occurred. So just to expand on that for a moment when When you say that they'll be present, even if it's pre-recorded, that means that they would be logging in at a specific time that the the session is scheduled to occur or the roundtable scheduled to occur, and then that they would be interacting through maybe a, a a text chat of some sort or
1: yeah, there'll there'll be a way to send questions and interact with people at the end of the session where you can get your questions answered and interact you know with the actual presenters at that point in time. And then if you are going back to watch this later, you know, two weeks later, some point in time, they will actually even post those interactive questions and answer sessions as well as part of the presentation, too. So you won't miss out on that part, even if you know, you're two weeks later watching the session itself. But during the actual sessions, even though they may be pre-recorded, there will, the presenters will still be there able to answer questions that one may have during the actual allotted time of the session.
0: Hi, everyone. Just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you that registration for the ASRM 2020 Virtual Congress is now open and you can register at asrmcongress.org. Go to the website and click on register so you do not miss out on the premier education and research meeting for reproductive medicine. So do not delay and register at asrmcongress.org today. Now back to the show. As chair of the program planning committee, what are some highlights from the courses that you're willing to talk about?
1: It's a fantastic array of talks, courses, presentations that we have. We're really a lucky society in the sense, if you think about it, in that we're not just doctors. I mean, we're doctors, we're geneticists, we're lab people, we're urologists, reproductive endocrinologists, we're actually the business managers. It's everybody coming together. So there is a little bit about this meeting for everybody. And in fact, the theme of this year is dynamic collaborations, and it's highlighting the collaborations that occur in reproductive medicine. And the field itself is so broad. I mean, there are things and topics that are as exciting as just, you know, covering from puberty all the way through menopause and beyond of a woman's life. It's not just infertility or anything of that sort. But there are really a fascinating array of very interesting hot topics uh, that will be presented at the meeting, for example, like spermatogenesis in the dish. So really like just an outward thinking, new for new way of looking at possibly creating and uh, preserving fertility, I guess, uh, enhancing fertility. There's also going to be a, a wide array of talks about PGTA and how PGT itself has transformed the field and where things are changing with of course the very hot topic always talking about mosaic embryos and you know when to use them and how do we use them but it's not just that you know there's also like a very exciting session on cultural considerations on international surrogacy and you know how do we handle dealing with people that are surrogates in another country and things we should consider and think about in the ever complicated world of surrogacy there's also a fascinating wide array of talks Looking at at basically the differences in in how we're handling our LGBTQT population, you know, there's really a a lot of various different topics covering the way we should be managing and helping these patients in in our ever-changing world. So it's really, you know, covering a lot of different focuses, the meeting, and with a lot of very exciting topics that I think will catch a lot of people's attention, maybe not everything for everybody, but enough here that's broad enough for
0: everybody that will make everybody very excited to be a part of this meeting. So again, chair of the program program planning committee, and we touched on earlier what unique circumstances this year presented and the changes that had to come. Can you talk a little bit to people about the challenges of of making this virtual conference happen in this year where there was just so much uh going against us even having a meeting well
1: you know you you first back it up to even making the decision as to you know are we actually going to have a a in-person meeting versus a virtual meeting and you know it's very interesting as the topic of discussion first came about i would say most people were quite resistant to wanting to have a virtual meeting. I think most of us sort of felt like this was going to pass and by October this would be gone and you know we should have just had the in-person meeting. Everybody feels like the in-person meeting gives you a lot more of an ability to interact and network. So that was really the first part of it and then I think though what's transformed is as we've seen you know, whereas the word Zoom was not really a part of my vocabulary a year ago, other than maybe that kids TV show Zoom I used to watch. But, but the reality is I'd never really heard of this. And now we're doing Zoom for everything. And as I think we got more comfortable with the ability to interact virtually, it got very exciting. And the excitement is is that we're actually now transforming the meeting into something where you really had a limited amount of time, you were running around from place to place, and now you can virtually see, like I said, everything. You could, you could attend every single session. That is mind-boggling to think about that. The other part, though, is that when coming up with the meeting and the ideas of the meeting, we didn't want to lose the very special part of the meeting, which is the networking. You know, what makes this meeting special is you're gathering everybody together and you're bumping into old friends, whether they were people you did residency or fellowship with or somebody you worked with for 20 years. And periodically I'll run into a nurse that I saw 20 years ago that I hadn't seen in 20 years. You know, And it's amazing. But you're not really going to lose that ability because we've set up the meeting where there's networking ability throughout the day, including just the interactive type sessions at the end of them where you can ask questions and you know, even the poster sessions, for example. I think that actually, the way we spread it out, it opens things up more for a much more interactive meeting to some degree. So I think what we've done is we've tried to make the meeting virtual where to work, but very importantly, we have not lost the ability to keep that interactive networking capability that everybody so cherishes. And I think that was sort of the challenging part of the meeting. I think the ASRM staff really deserves all the kudos for that because basically, that's impressive, and I think they've done an impressive job of, of pulling all this together to make a very exciting
0: meeting. Well, there were certainly um, a large amount of people we have we've had to assuage a lot of fears about you know how how this was going to happen and and how it was going to look and. Uh, I can tell people right now, for, even from my insider uh, perspective, I, I work, uh, of course, for disclosure, I'm, I am an ASRM employee, uh, and I work on the meetings, and it's it's going to be something. It's it's really, really going to be something, and I think people are going to enjoy it. Absolutely.
1: No doubt.
0: Thank you so much for being able to take time out of your very, very busy schedule as we're steamrolling towards this virtual Congress and just living life now in general as it is, as, as everything uh, gets to some level of normality for folks. Will you come back after the meeting and maybe we can have a wrap-up talk about how it all went and thoughts and feelings on that?
1: Oh, of course, absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. I'd be very happy to, and uh, hopefully we'll just have nothing but positive things to say.
0: (laughs) Fantastic, thank you so much, Dr. Spandorfer. All right, thank you, bye-bye. That was Dr. Steven Spandorfer, Chair of the 2020 ASRM Virtual Congress. Don't forget to head over to asrmcongress.org to register today for the Congress. I am Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today.
1: This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, other information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM.